Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Yeah, today, guys, is a two-part series. One we started last week and we looked at a number of issues that came out of Matthew chapter 11, verses that most of us would probably know pretty much off by heart and, and we've heard lots and lots of time. We looked at this verse, Come to me all you who are burdened and wearied and laboured and overwhelmed with issues and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The things we concentrated on last week was about the rest factor. We talked about who we're coming to. We're coming to the person of Jesus. We, we talked for a little bit about the fact that, yes, we can come to church, we can, but that's a, that's a place, that's a thing, it's a, a living organism of people, as Craig said. But the real issue that we came to was that we're coming to Jesus. We talked a fair bit about that last week. And of course, then we looked at the trust word uh, and the, at the rest word. And we all agreed that rest wasn't necessarily um, leisure that rest wasn't necessarily going on a holiday or retiring, but there was a different type of rest that God talked about uh, in, well, even in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. And all I'm sharing with you now is just to fill you in. If you weren't here last week, these are the things we talked about. And we discovered or we agreed last week that the rest that God talks about is a rest of the soul, a rest of my contentment, the fulfilment of what has been done when God saw that all he had done in the previous six days, uh, it says he rested. Now we know that God, God doesn't get tired. We know that God doesn't need the rest because the Bible says God neither slumbers nor sleeps. So why did he rest? And that was for to show us even when Jesus came and he used these words to give an example of what was the rest he was talking about. Now it's all very well for me to talk about rest as we did last week. Um, you know, I would sit amongst you and I know that somebody sitting beside me is struggling because uh, they maybe just lost their job or some other things happening. The other person on the other side of me might have been struggling with illness and sickness. The other person behind me struggling with relationships. Oh, the overwhelming things that burden us that we would say, hey, this ain't rest. This is not the rest that I'm expecting. So I think it's important for me today to get a balance on amongst that and, and not necessarily have the answer to why there is no rest, but, and I've, I've shared with you some of these things before. I want to give you uh, seven things that are strategies that we can work through. You know, in, in Isaiah, it talks about uh, the picture of an eagle. It says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up as wings, as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, and I picture, what, what does this eagle do in amongst this buffeting wind that comes? 
You know, blown from pillar to post, blown all over the place. No, the eagle has learned to tilt his wings, tilt the wings of the eagle, that the, he might actually use, use the buffeting, use the thing that whew, you and I would say, I want to get out of this. So here's some strategy that I call riding on the wings of adversity. Uh, I pinched this from a guy by the name of Selwyn Hughes, who does the Every Day with Jesus series. And we did it in our home group some years ago, and I've never forgotten it. So let's have a look at some of this stuff here, okay? The invitation was given, come to me. The promise was given, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let's have a look at what this means. Okay, the eagle. Strategy number one. Let's accept the fact that Christians aren't exempt from the ordinary things that happen. God is a God of order. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And you and I can't guarantee just because we're Christians that we're going to be exempt from problems. And, you know, like I said, God is a God of order. You can imagine two people climbing a cliff one of them's a Christian, the other one has no faith at all, and for some reason or other they fall. Is God going to suspend the laws of nature to save the Christian? No. So some people would, if that was the case, they'd take on their faith like an umbrella just in case the rain comes. God falls the rain on the good and the just, the both good and bad, the nice and the nasty. The second thing we need to do is to recognise that there's not always a direct relationship between sin and sickness. Sometimes these just things happen. Jesus was asked the question, who, who has sinned when this man was sick? And Jesus' response was, no, you've got it wrong. That's not how it works. Now sometimes, by my actions by our actions, I place myself in a position where the adversity that I'm receiving is, is a result of my sin, is a result of our sin. But it's not always the case. Sometimes, and this is where the rest thing becomes difficult, sometimes life just happens. And we need to recognise the fact that sometimes I can't do anything about it. Third strategy here is that we need to fix our mind that suffering and adversary are not uh, contrary to God's love. And the biggest example we've got there, of course, is the cross. The death and the resurrection of Jesus, the pain of Jesus, was an act of love rather than an act of there is no love here. And we need to recognise that. Fourth strategy quickly, I'm just whipping through these quickly. And by the way, I've printed these out and, and there's papers on the back table. If you want to take some of these, maybe for home groups, maybe for your own personal just edification, just grab them, have a look through. Uh, number four, focus on the fact that some of the greatest lessons I've learned, we've learned, are those which come out of hardships and suffering. And certainly... My testimony could be that some of the worst times of my life, when I look back now and I see how it forced me 
to find this new relationship with the God that I loved and cared for, who I knew loved and cared for me, it forced me to go there. So in amongst the adversity, I learn. In amongst the problems, we learn. Here's a good one. I need to focus on God as he is, not as I think he ought to be. Oops. I don't need to talk too much about that, do I? I just embrace him. And of course, number six, don't forget in the darkness what I learned in the light. Buy a new house. Walk around during the day. Know where everything is. Turn the lights off at night time and I stumble in the walls and I crash everywhere. But after I've been in that new house for a couple of weeks or so, I can walk anywhere I like. And God's the same. I need to learn from him that when my times are good, he is still there when the times are bad. Number seven. We used to sing a song that says, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. The reality is people in amongst the rest in amongst the adversity things that overwhelm us, sometimes there is no answer. And all that's happening here is God is saying, trust me. He's saying through Jesus this morning, cast your care upon me. I will give you rest. It won't be a rest of the body. It'll be a rest of the soul. It'll be a rest of contentment. And so these are the things, you know, the practical things. It's all very well for me to talk last week about the theory stuff of rest, about the theory of how to deal with adversity. Hey, here's the practical, okay? Here's what we put into practice. Those steps, little by little by little, but at the end of the day, when, when all is done, I need to say, God, I don't have the answer, but you do. We got some really... Sad news list today. <clears throat> Some of us in this church will remember Robin and Reg Moses. Reg, great man of God, honour eldership and really a man of, of, of faith and someone you could go and trust. And Robin, of course, with her incredible musical talent. Uh, just amazing. Um, yesterday we got news that Robin had been rushed to hospital during the night um, and that she wasn't expected to recover. And yesterday, about 10 or 11 o'clock, I got an email, a message that says, Mum's gone. My first remembering of Robin was back in the 60s when she and her sister used to sing together. Beautiful harmonies and stuff. And down at Doonside Church of Christ, they used to have a Youth for Christ rally. And Robin and Mandy used to sing this song. <coughs> Pardon me. And it says, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. The adversity? God knows. God will deal with it. Your job and my job 
is to be obedient and hear and respond in faith. Last week I talked to you about the Hebrew verses that in, in chapter 3 and chapter 4 when the rest that was promised was withdrawn because of the lack of faith. So as we move on today and we say, we ask the question, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, what does that mean? How do I take on the yoke of God? So as I look at this picture, guys, take my yoke upon you, I see two animals. I see they are locked together with this wooden yoke. It's called a beam across their shoulders and it has two purposes. The first purpose, of course, is that they might pull together the load. Let's share the load. Let's pull together and and we will get there because it's too heavy for one person on their own. The second reason for the yoke is that they used to put the yoke, uh, the two animals together, they'd put a, a mature and older experienced beast next to one who was inexperienced. And the reason for that was, of course, that the young one might learn from the old one. So the analysis that Jesus is saying here, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, the experience teaching the inexperience, me putting my place where God can talk to my heart, not my head. You know, being a Christian and reading the scripture is a good thing, particularly reading the scripture, but the scripture wasn't given to give, increase my intellect. The scripture was given to change my life. So when Jesus says, learn of me, the instruction, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, it means that I have to find out what does this Jesus look like? What's the experience that he shares with me, that he shared with the world, that will instruct me how to have rest? Now, the rest here is about the Hebrews' version. It's about trusting God for the things that I don't see, the things I have no control over. They were promised, go to the land, go into the land, possess the land. And they got to the hill and they looked over the valley And they said, let's just send some spies in there because there's people in there and we're not sure just how we're going to do with that. So they sent their spies in and the spies came back and said, whoa, they're big people. I'm not sure that we can do this. Where was the promise of God? It was behind them, not in front of them. And so they chose not to go. And as a result of that decision, they walked for 40 years in the wilderness, never ever going into that rest that God had promised them because of their lack of faith. And Hebrews 11, as, as the writer talks about this, the words in Hebrews 3, 11, it says, and, and God was angry with them and made an oath they would never enter his rest. Wow, wow. 
40 years. 40 years because they did not, would not enter into his rest. So what does this instruction mean for you and me? How can we then not do what they did? As Paul was writing, sorry, not Paul, as the writer to the Hebrews was writing there, he was warning the people, don't do what they did. Don't do what they did. Because you have a better example in Jesus than Moses. I love the version that reads out of the Message Bible when it talks about Hebrews uh, chapter 3 and it says, you know, Moses was a good guy and he did a good job, but he was just a servant in the house. He was just a servant. Jesus is the builder. You are the house. So how much better is that when you and I recognise by the grace of God, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? I want to be more like Jesus. I want to learn from him. How do I learn from him? Well, the very first thing I do is I embrace things like Philippians 2. In your relationship with others, have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who being God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself the servant So how do I learn from Jesus? I say, where's the example? He's a servant, I'll be a servant. He loved people, I love people. There's the example. And in 1 John 2, 6, it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way he walked. Are we doing that, guys? Are we following, do we know so much about the Lord Jesus? about his personality, about his lifestyle, that it's so automatic for us to follow the example that he said, because that's what he's saying, learn from me. And that's what he wants from each of us. And I know there are times when I don't do that. There are times when I don't do that. We're talking here, learning from me. We're talking about the yoke of obedience. One step in embracing the rest that he's offering. I'm not offering that to you. The person sitting beside you, behind you, in front of you is not offering to you. The king of kings is offering this to you. The saviour of the world is offering this to you. How can we not accept that invitation? How can we not accept that? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. And of course, the, apart from this, my yoke, learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. This is where the real sense of rest comes in because it's about the contentment. It's about you and me knowing that in the obedience issue of God, because I've been created according to Ephesians to do good works, not by grace, not by works I'm saved, but by grace. But then it goes on to say, and I have been, Perse Mallard has been created in the image of Jesus to do good works. And if I could come and sit beside each of you, I would say, so have you. 
created to do good works that Jesus might be seen in you. Jesus might be seen in you. The, the contentment that comes as we look at this. What does it mean? Well, it means the yoke of obedience is contentment, at peace, resting, knowing that I am walking in God's way. Are you walking in God's way, people? Are there times when you take back the things that you're given? Are there times when you hear the, hear the words, hear the invitation from the King of Kings and say, I just want to do it my way? We do that, don't we? We say, God bless Australia, but let's, let's do it our way. God bless me, but let me do it under my terms. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Why? Because Jesus has paid the price. The burden that Christ was talking about to those people when he said this, Matthew 11, they were walking around with all of their rules and their regulations, having to do this, not being allowed to do that, and the burden of that weighed them down. I don't want to take this step. It might be the wrong one. I don't want to do that because it might, might, might be the wrong thing to do. Jesus came to abolish that. And while the priests in those days, they day by day, day by day, made their offering. It was a never-ending purpose. It was a never-ending thing to do. And they had to do it. They did it once and a little while later they had to do it again for the forgiveness of sin, for the choices that they took back, for the choices that they made without God. And it says if we do those things, wow, that's not how it works. And Jesus was offering the peace of contentment, knowing that he has paid my price. There's nothing left for me to do. There's nothing left for you to do other than to walk in the freedom that he offers. Peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will keep your hearts. Keep your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation to you who are in Jesus. None. And the peace that God offers, the peace that Jesus offers you is embraced in all of that. The forgiveness of sin, the forgiveness that allows me to be the person who he wants me to be and have rest. Walk in freedom. Where is my burden? Jesus has carried it. Another song we used to sing. I hope I can remember the word without singing it. You certainly don't want me to sing anymore. Um, I am covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives me. I am covered over with the precious blood of Jesus and he lives in me. We'll talk about that quickly in a minute. What a joy it is to know my heavenly father loves me so that when he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. That's how it is. That's you. That's you. 
He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what he says to you. That's what he says to you. So I wonder today, guys, when you read that verse with me, What is going on in your heart? What are you thinking about? Have you come to church this morning to give as much as you get to be like Jesus? Have you come to embrace and love each other like Jesus wants us to do? You know, the scripture is pretty tough. Valda was sharing with me, even again this morning, the, the hardness that comes out of 1 John. If we say we... Uh, love God and don't love our brother, we're a liar. Tough words, huh? Who is my brother? Wow. Talk about that for a long time. So, will you enrol in the school of Jesus? He makes that offer. He says, not only come to me, not just the invitation, nor just the instruction, take my yoke, nor just the promise, I will give you rest, but he gives the promise that he will come and live in you. Beautiful verse out of Revelation chapter 3. Paints a lovely picture of Jesus offering himself as an invitation. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords, who was part of the creation story when you were formed in your mother's womb, who was part of that process, when he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking. If anyone opens the door, I will come in. There's a promise. So when we receive Jesus Christ as Saviour, as many of you have, where does Jesus live? When you think about that, where is Jesus? For me, he lives in me. I will come in purse. And Paul, you know, in his writing, when he, he wrote, you know, just think of this guy. Here, here's this guy, he's in prison. He was, he was heading for a painful death of execution and he sat down and he wrote this letter to his friend, Timothy. And in the letter, at the end of his letter, he says, I have run my race. I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. That same Paul wrote in a beautiful book in Colossians, it says, talking about a mystery. 
that had been hidden from the ages and he reveals that that mystery is that Jesus lives in me, he says. Paul was saying, Jesus lives in me. How could he write, I have run the race, I have fought the fight, I have kept the faith, because he, Jesus lived in him. I think the word anointing is an Old Testament word. I'm not sure that it appears in the New Testament too often. So when, when we talk about Jesus coming on us, we used to sing that song, didn't we? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. But hey, he's already in me. He's already in you. And out of you will come rivers of living water. So what what does the words of Jesus say? Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Can I ask and suggest that we enrol in the class of Jesus? Enrol in the journey that we'll end up in rest. Enrol in the journey that during the times of adversity and trials that we face in this world, because Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. But he says, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Embrace the Jesus. Learn of me. And so this morning, guys, as we can close and our worship team, guys, if you'd come, I want to just lay before you these thoughts. You may have been a Christian, you may be a Christian, have been for a long time. You may have been struggling and you may be struggling with some things that really, really distract you in your relationship with Jesus. And he's saying this morning, come to me. Our prayer team, if you can come to the front too, please. Because Jesus has placed amongst us representatives, people with a heart like his, people with a passion to help other people. So if you've been struggling and if you need a special place for prayer this morning, be faithful to the call. Be faithful to the invitation. Come. Come to me. And lay your burdens before him and let him encourage you. Maybe even amongst those seven strategic things, find a place that, yes, I'll trust you, God. There may also be people here this morning who've never, ever made that, yeah, I, I, I believe in Jesus. I'll trust Jesus. I, I see his death upon the cross for me. There may be somebody who's never, ever done that this morning. Can I suggest you consider that now and maybe talk to some of the people down the front about that? Because that's what he came for. He came to save the world, not to condemn the world. He came to save you because he loved you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.